one matchup this last week, and of course, who's on my bench? Drew Brees. <laughs> Only lost by about 20, so that would have been the difference. How are you doing today? Uh, I've been there, but trust me, I have been there. I'm doing good. Um, a little bit of a, a light show today. We have uh, just, just Dan. Well, Chuck, we stopping by for ATS Toys. We have uh, Dan I'm stopping by to do a little Dynasty Dilemmas dilemma with us is have a little bit of a change of plans, but uh, you're going to have to deal with just me and Nick for most of the show. So, uh, Trust me, if you could see how handsome our faces are in person, you would not be complaining. But uh, mid-season award time. We have some mid-season awards to hand out, um, as well as maybe some players that we uh, kind of wrote off. Um, talk about some startup misconceptions and mistakes. Do a little fit them, start them. Uh, great Dynasty Dilemma, three-headed monster, as we talked about last week, Odell Beckham versus Todd Gurley versus Julio Jones. Oh, this dilemma was decided on a few weeks ago, and we initially had Le'Veon Bell on there, so Nick, unfortunately, had to switch his guy on on Monday morning, but uh, uh, it's kind of funny what, what things happen after games are played. Get to some Week 8 thoughts. Nick is going to... Uh, rant, uh, some Dynasty trade analysis, and then a Dynasty depth charger, and then, of course, some ATS picks. I want to remind everybody next week that uh, i got Dirty Mike Graphics stopping by as we're going to identify some top prospects in the 2016 draft. So uh, that should be good, and uh, we're going to be phasing out the Dynasty depth charger uh, and be going into some prospect watch because we know not all of your teams are – seven or eight no right now so uh it's time to start thinking for the future and you know if you're uh trading for or trading away first round picks it may be good to know who those players are going to be at the top so uh, we're going to get you ready there since we're already through the midway point of this season uh nick do you have any undefeated teams left uh no i do not well i'm not sound like a jerk but i only asked that because i for i for one actually have an undefeated team in a two-quarterback league. Um, unfortunately, it is not a dynasty league, uh, which has maybe helped me make some uh, transactions. Uh, it certainly has. But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't exactly know how it's happening. I even had happened to have um, the two quarterbacks I drafted were Andy Dalton and Jay Cutler, so maybe Dalton's the answer there. But uh, they actually had the same bye week. And I actually won the game where they had a 
were on a bye, and they started Drew Stanton, even though he didn't play. I don't have any other quarterbacks that had actually stepped on the field, so that's kind of the way it goes in the two-quarterback league. Uh, but anyway, let's get to some midseason awards here. Um, doing things in a little bit different order today, but uh, why don't you give us your QB stud, Nick? Well, you know, when doing this, I tried to avoid the number one scorers, so I'm going to pass on Tom Brady and go with fantasy sixth-leading quarterback, the guy who uh, many people wrote off in the preseason just due to his lack of weapons around him this year, and that's Cam Newton. You know, all the quarterbacks ranked ahead of him have elite options in the passing game. Uh, Philip Rivers uh, has the, probably the worst number one receiver, Keenan Allen, of that bunch, and Cam Newton would have killed for a guy like Keenan Allen this year, uh, obviously, until the injury. Uh, you know, Cam's ranked right now ahead of uh, Aaron Rodgers, Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, and Matt Ryan, and got tw- uh, double-digit points every week, and four out of seven weeks over 20. So I'll, I'll take Cam Newton. Okay. Uh, do you have any idea where I'm going here, Nick? Um, Any guesses if you thought I was going to name it? Car, maybe? Um, you know, I tried to – I did think about him. He did come into consideration. Um, but the person that I continue to defend, and even uh, even though maybe some people are going to be down on him, Andy Dalton, uh, give me the red rifle so far. I think he's doing – Obviously, better than a lot of people expected. You know, a lot of drafts, he was like the 12th QB off the board, uh, especially in dynasty startups. I mean, he's growing up. And his critics certainly have some ammunition, uh, you know, in the current after the so-so game against a very average pit secondary. But uh, I think he maybe he still won the game, which, which really impressed me that he's been able to lead some comebacks, come back against Seattle. And obviously losing Le'Veon Bell hurt Pittsburgh's cause, but Dalton stayed focused and uh, got them through that game uh, on the road. And I think he maybe actually maybe won some people's hearts along the way. Uh, Let's give it to Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle. And I am not a Bengals fan. Uh, We'll just put it it that way. Um, Running back. What do you got for us, running back? Well, it's probably Freeman. <laughs> the guy's 61 points to the head of the number two running back, Mark Ingram. But Mark Ingram is the only running back with double-digit points every week and 20 p- points or more in four of eight games. You know, it seems odd to call a Heisman Trophy winner a late bloomer, but he's really come into his own last season and this season in year five. Uh, you know, fun side note, three out of the top five uh, fantasy running backs are from the NFC South, so of course, we all knew the division with Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and two number one overall picks, Cam Newton and Jameis Winston, would be a ground-and-pound division, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is interesting. And is there something wrong with me that they still don't trust Mark Ingram? I don't know. Um, I'm actually going to go a little bit different route here, um, and uh, not because I'm defending one of these guys later, but uh, – I really want to mention Chris Ivory. I know he's not blowing everybody out of the way, and I, I hear you on Freeman and Ingram, but Ivory is just—he's simply been way more effective than anybody thought he would. You know, he was easily the last starting running back off of the board in just about any draft format I can imagine. Maybe maybe a little higher in some standard formats, but uh, he's just doing—he's just doing his thing, and uh, it's. It's still maybe a little bit early, but I just I really don't know what else to say. But Todd Gurley, my lord, this guy has been amazing now that he is fully healthy. Um, what do you got for us, wide receiver, Nick? 
Well, Julio Jones has 30 or more points three times this year. There's only one other wide receiver in the league that can say that, and that's Keenan Allen. Now, Allen, of course, won't finish the year in the top five due to the injury that he suffered over the weekend, but he's ranked number four right now. Uh, he's had double-digit points all but one week, and you know we all love what Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, and Brandon Marshall are doing this year, but uh, Al- Keenan Allen actually is ahead of all of them right now in fantasy points. So I'll give the midseason award to Allen. Uh, since he apparently won't be winning any regular season awards. Um, maybe wish you would have traded him to me last week now. <laughs> Keenan, you know, um, you know, I had Julio, and it's not that I'm not a Julio fan. I mean, the guy is destructive. He's just a, just a target vacuum. Um, but uh, do you have any idea where I'm going to go here next? <laughs> no. Who... Who is my favorite? Probably who is my favorite non-Raider in the NFL? Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I got you. Don't yeah, hurt yourself. In Houston. <laughs> yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, Nuke is the man. This team is terrible. I know they're one playoff, one game out of the playoffs, but, I mean, come on, that division is even more terrible than this Houston team is. Well, maybe not, but anyway. Um, the team's terrible. He continues to slay RBs. He is continuing to get – Muko targets because that's all they have. And he just does it every single – I think he's had one one week under double digits, and um, the rest of the time he's just been just a force that's helping you win games. Yes, give it to my man, Nuke Hopkins, because they're – I mean, geez, without him and J.J. Watt, this team would probably be 0-8 right now or 0-7 or whatever. Uh, yeah, give, give it to Nuke just because he does so much with so – very low. Um, let's move to IDP. I didn't. I didn't want to really hit the tight end. Maybe. I mean, obviously Gronk and Gary Barnage has been quite the story. You know, we've had, some, but there really hasn't been a whole lot of other, other great pieces besides you know, Greg Olson breaking my fantasy heart. By the uh, by the way, and when speaking of Devontae Freeman, I don't think I've ever since I've been more leagues than I have been in a while. I don't think I've ever been beaten by Devontae Freeman or by by one player so many weeks in a row. There was like a six-week stretch where every single time I played against an opponent, they had Devontae Freeman. So maybe that's why I didn't give him my award. But anyway, uh, what do you you got for us on the defensive side of the ball? Who's who's the IDP stud, Nick? Well, oh, wow, J.J. Watt's the number one IDP scorer. Who would have ever thought that? But you know what? I don't remember hearing in the preseason about how uh, Buffalo's Corey Graham, the number three IDP scorer, would transition to safety so well from cornerback. He's on pace for a career year. and Most of the IDP attention to Buffalo has been negative, but unlike the front seven guys, uh, Graham has definitely benefited from Rex Ryan's defense. I have a team that's rebuilding, and... uh... Because of Graham's age, let's just say I dropped him before the season started. Um, yeah, I don't really want to go into that. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a very good point. I talked about him last weekend in our question and answer as well. Um, I'm also going to go with the DB. Uh, Richard Jones, this guy has become IDP royalty. Uh, is You know, as much as many lumps as Miami's taken throughout the year, uh, he has uh, just continued to pile up points. Um, yeah, I, I, he's, it's tackles, it's interceptions, it's just, it's everything. And he's on a team that seemed to be loaded 
uh, in the front seven. You wouldn't expect a safety to get as many points as he has, but he has certainly been a, a callus to their uh, to their defense this year, and he's right there at the top. So I think we mentioned the top three IDP scorers in most formats already. So uh, uh, there, there you have it. Let's move on to duds, Nick. Um, who is your QB dud? Well, uh, Andrew Luck's been bad this year, but Peyton Manning's been worse. He's right now the 27th-ranked quarterback as far as fantasy points. Uh, you know, here's his surrounding uh, quarterbacks there in the rankings. Jay Cutler, uh, Sam Bradford, Peyton Manning, Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, Nick Foles. 11 interceptions, that's as many as he threw in all of 2012 and more than he threw in 2013, and only threw 15 all of last season, and only seven touchdowns. In seven games, Peyton Manning's only thrown seven touchdowns. That's just insane. And the Broncos are undefeated. Uh, <laughs> which might even be even more insane. Um, um, I I wanted to go th- I wanted to go there, but I far- I figured you might go there and I figured, you know, people would stop listening because I'm such a Raiders fan. Um but anyway. Uh Andrew Luck, I, I, I think we have to bring him up. I know he's slowly starting to come around, but I mean, are we really going to downgrade him? I think we must. I mean, I'm not worried about his future, and I'm sure we'll read all kinds of comeback Player of the Year articles uh, next preseason surrounding Luck. But as far as the present goes, I think he's certainly a matchup play, and that's something that. I, as a luck owner, I was, you know, so comfortable going into the season knowing, well, I don't have any controversy. I can start luck every week, no matter the matchup, and I'll be fine. And that has not been the case, um, unfortunately. I don't know if he's not fully healthy or what's going on. I know he flashed something a little bit in the rain on Monday night, uh, but uh, he, he's he got to be a dud just because not that I was expecting Peyton Manning to break any records, but I think a lot of people were expecting very big things from Andrew Luck to carry this Colts team, uh, much like Cam Newton is doing right now with, with Carolina, and there are no no wide receivers. So I got to I, I got to hit Luck, and and I hope he hope he comes out of it because obviously there's a lot. He seems to be one of the one of the good guys in the NFL, and there's a lot of a lot of dynasty people that are really depending on him to to turn things around here in the next. Uh, Next few months and certainly uh, years to come as uh, as people are building teams around this guy. At least I am. Uh, what do you got for running back, Nick? Well, there's a lot of candidates, uh, but I think you know many people were down on Alfred Morris going into the season. But by down on him, I still mean ranked in like the top 25 or 30. He's currently the running back number 62 behind both of his backfield mates, Matt Jones and Chris Thompson, uh, behind Chris Polk, Benny Cunningham, Baltimore's fullback. Uh, the four times this year he's been under five points and only had double-digit points one time, and that was only uh, Carlos Williams, Lance Dunbar, and Andre Ellington. Each of these guys have missed three weeks this season, and they still have more points than Alfred Morris does. So he's just been awful. Oh, yeah, it doesn't, uh, doesn't look well for him, but maybe uh, maybe he signs a, a small deal somewhere and somewhere else in the offseason and, and, and turns it around. But, uh, yeah, I was looking at had him the other day thinking, wow, Charles Sims has way more points than, uh, <laughs> than, than both Jones um, than both Jones and Alfred Morris. So I was like, wow, uh, that's okay. I currently have a team where my highest scoring running back is Marcel Reese. 
Uh, yeah, that's the reason. <laughs> Marcelo Reese. But anyway, um, hey, you guys have balls. What can I say? Oakland's finally using them. And, and, okay, I don't know if this is a little bit of a cop-out, but I got I got to pick on a rookie just because of the fanfare around him and the fact that I invested in him and then I decided to invest more in him when he started slow. And Melvin Gordon. I mean, obviously the Wisconsin offense is a mirage for running backs. I didn't want to admit it, but here we are. Uh, yeah, what's going on with that guy? I know he's had some, some bumps and bruises, but seriously, get over it. Hopefully, you know, it's obviously not good for Keenan Allen owners, but hopefully with him out, they'll maybe press him a little bit more and we will see something. But, oh, my gosh, I hate having to look at him every every week and say, oh, okay, I guess I guess you're on the bench again. Uh, I, I was just expecting a little bit more than what we've seen. The guy hasn't even scored a touchdown. I mean, just give him a one-yard touchdown, please. Let him dance. Let him feel comfortable. Oh, Melvin Gordon. Uh, what do you got for uh, wide receiver, Nick? Well, this one for me was the toughest call. You know, I didn't want to go with an injured guy like Des Bryant or Mike Evans, both of whom have uh, been dinged up for a while this season. So, what the heck, I'll take my uh, rookie of the year pick, Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, the whole Philadelphia offense has been disappointing, but I really thought that Aguilar would surpass Jordan Matthews' uh, rookie numbers last year, 67 catches, 870 yards, and eight scores. Uh, Right now he's ranked wide receiver number 120. Uh, Brought up double-digit gains a lot in this segment. Uh, I'm proud to say I am tied with Nelson Aguilar for career double-digit games. <laughs> uh, that was good. Um, this was a tough one, too. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to stick with the same team, though. Uh, Jordan Matthews, that's certainly somebody I expected a lot more out of, and I, and I know this offense has kind of been in shambles and took a little while for them to find their – Identity, but I, I thought, if anything, that they could lean on this guy, much like uh, Matthews of uh, Vanderbilt team did when he was in college. I mean, he was making plays against top-notch opponents all day long, and that's exactly why he got drafted. And I just, just severely disappointed with, uh, with what he's put forward this year. I know a lot of people view him, viewed him as a, as a high by low candidate early on and they're just not getting getting any reward from uh making a move on him early so uh i'll, I'll give it to to uh jordan matthews I'm not writing him off yet but uh as uh somebody i was counting on as a top receiver on a team i'm not uh not not too pleased what he got for us idp wise well, I haven't really watched film on him, so I'm not going to say he's been terrible as a player, but from an IDP standpoint, Kyle Williams has been just awful. He's had one game over six points and only one sack on the year. Uh, no games with uh, five tackles. Uh, he's only got 37 points. That's tied for 394th amongst IDP scores. Uh, you know, there's not many guys that are fairly healthy that have made the Pro Bowl last year that are currently unowned in DFW 16, but that's the case with Kyle Williams. Uh, yeah, um, I'm going to go a little bigger scale and I just, I just feel like, uh, maybe, maybe it was the the contract he got, he got the money and now it's not happening. Justin Houston, I don't know where he was at last year, but four sacks, really half a sack a game as opposed to, you know, the 22 he put up last year or whatever it is. I, I just, I haven't like kind of like you with Williams. I've seen him in some games, and I just haven't seen 
the explosion, you know, the, uh, the, um, I don't know, the, the desperateness when he sees the, that's not a word. When he sees the quarterback, you know, there's no desperation. There's no closing speed. I just, I just don't see it from him. And I know, I don't know if there's something wrong. They haven't said anything, but it's just, it hasn't, uh, it hasn't been the case. I think Tom Bahali has more, maybe has one more sack than him on the year or very close to the same number. So that's, uh, and he's probably about 10 years older. So I just have, haven't been uh, very impressed with him, you know, especially sack heavy leagues. I know, you know, he's probably the top 10, top, sometimes top five IDP guy off the board. And I just haven't seen it from Justin Houston. So there you go. I picked on at least one guy in my division. Well, I guess I picked on Wells and Gordon too, but um, what about maybe some players that you wrote off before the season started, Nick, do you have any, any guys that like, you dropped or like oh, I'm not going to draft him. He's done. What, what anybody come to mind there? Well, he's not a guy that I owned, but I had pretty pretty much written off Brandon Marshall before the season. He's older, and now in the New York Jets offense, it's not historically very kind to wide receivers' numbers. Uh, Marshall's right now uh, 19th overall in scoring, not just amongst wide receivers, but overall. Uh, 20 or more points in all but one week. Uh, New York Jets offense hasn't been this exciting since, what, Chad Pennington's rookie year? And a big part of that's Brandon Marshall, I think. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Um, I got a few names, you know, I want to bring up Gary Barnage, but I just didn't really expect anything from him. So it's not like I wrote him off because I'm not even, I didn't even really want to, didn't even think about him actually doing anything besides him being the starter in Cleveland as the only thing that even made him attractable. But, um, another Cleveland guy and a guy that I dropped, um, is Travis Benjamin. I, I just kind of dismissed him as, a kick returner and uh, didn't think he'd be a part of this offense. And uh, uh, what is this? He's a top 30 fantasy player right now. Not a top 30 fantasy wide receiver, a top 30 fantasy player right now. And uh, now Johnny Manziel has been inserted back into the lineup. He seems to be the favorite target of Manziel. So maybe he continues to do this. I, I, uh, made a trade for Taylor Gabriel as soon as uh, Josh Gordon got suspended again, thinking, okay, this is, this is my man. And, uh, uh, apparently not. I think, you know, being five, seven, as opposed to five, eight has hurt Gabriel and helped Benjamin. And that's, that's just, I, I don't exactly know why, but I obviously didn't have enough Intel when I dropped him. Um, Ben Watson is another guy, you know, the Josh Hill hype was, was, boiling over all summer long and and I never really wanted to believe it. I never uh I didn't I don't think I drafted him at all. I maybe did in our charity league, but uh I also drafted Cody Latimer in that and I'm not doing so hot there as you could imagine. But uh yeah, wow, that's uh I he's he's really come on almost Gary Barnage esque the last couple of weeks and uh you know with as a breeze as a guy who likes to distribute his weapons, it certainly hasn't been a consistent thing, but uh, I, I really like it. Um, and see, like really like and see what I've, see what he's done, especially at a heightened age. Um, and another guy I was very vocal about just fading away this year. And that's Cliff Averill. And up in uh, Seattle, he's, you know, I think he's close to the top 10 defensive ends right now. He's, He's just getting the job done. He's staying in the game, which is not something I envisioned that he was going to do, you know, especially with that uh, rotation there. But he's certainly done a hell of a job there for uh, 
uh, for Seattle. I don't know if it's going to continue, but uh, I, I didn't see him doing this at all. So, I, Cliff Averill, you're proving me wrong even at your height and age there. Um, well, let's move on here, Nick, to uh, what are some startup misconceptions or uh, or mistakes that you have made? No, um, this year, I know this is – sorry. Go ahead. This oh, is ahead. not necessarily the best best time to reflect on this. It's maybe you guys want to hear this in May, but I thought since it's mid-season, you know, we could, it's a little bit more put in perspective right now. So remember what we say, and hopefully we'll try to remember to revisit this this offseason. So what do you got for us? Uh, well, this year I should have gone with the zero running back strategy because every, pretty much every running back that I drafted has been a bust. Uh, we'll, let's look at the DFW 16 league. Uh, 62nd overall, Alfred Morris. 126, David Johnson. 131, Niall Davis. And 195, Matt Jones. Those are my top four running backs drafted in DFW 16. Uh, another startup league, I got Alfred Morris, both of the Philadelphia running backs, and Arian Foster. Ugh, it's just been ugly. I should have just waited until the 15th round to draft a running back. I have gotten the same sort of production. Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a hard call because with you, you just don't know. Obviously, with losing Le'Veon and excuse me and uh, Jamal Charles here in the more recent weeks, it's it's hard to know when that's going to happen and uh, when it, when it's not going to happen. So that's uh. Yeah, it's a hard call there. Um, one thing I have noticed, and I tend to try different strategies being in multiple uh, mock drafts, obviously. I get about 50 emails after the Monday night game every week um, <laughs> with all those <laughs> mocks. But uh, um, certainly try different strategies. But a couple of strategies that I've tried over the – that I started with over the years doesn't haven't seemed to work out uh, – DFW 16, I went with uh, J.J. Watt in round one. Not that that was a bad idea, but what it did is did not land me a marquee offensive player, and I think that has certainly hurt my my identity there. And then um, it just – I know a good defense can make – in a league like that with huge rosters, 40-man rosters, 16 teams, I know a defense can help you win and you can get by with a with an average offense, but I feel like maybe that wasn't the best decision. Maybe I should have waited, you know, or if I was later in the draft, I could take Watt. But I took Watt like fifth overall, fourth overall, something like that. So, And I was going to take Luck, and I decided, well, Luck, I knew Luck and Watt would have been the top two scores in that league if that league existed last year. So, well, if I get one of these guys at five, I'd be pretty happy. So that's, that's what I did. And then um, – Last year, me and Nick started a league, uh, just uh, kind of writer friends, and I took uh, Jimmy Graham in the first round. And this is this is just a 25-man rosters, uh, offense only, no kickers, no defense. And uh, and I went tight end in the first round. He was obviously by far and away the number one tight end. I guess Grock, you know, was maybe a little bit closer than the rest. Uh, but again, what that did not land me was a marquee offensive player. Obviously, Graham was um, at the time and was for most of the season last year. But, uh, uh, you know, time has told a different story. He's now in Seattle, and not, not that I anybody could have anticipated that coming, but, uh, you know, just 
when you're doing these startups, you know, it's obviously first round picks get messed up all the time due to injuries and what have you, but uh, maybe it's not best to go with the top. Just because this player is top of their position doesn't mean you don't want necessarily have to do that, you know. Running back or wide receiver is basically certainly the safer bet to go, and then you can hopefully fill in the fill in the rest of the blanks along the way. So uh, that's something that's kind of been on my chest the last couple of weeks. So I thought it'd be an interesting conversation to have, and uh, hopefully, hopefully it can help you as you get in those new leagues next year. Um, let's uh, look at some sit and start them here, Nick. Oh, my guy, the Red Rifle versus Cleveland or uh, Phillip Rivers versus the Bears. What, what do you think? Well, it's tough to pick Phillip Rivers now without Keenan Allen, but I'm still going uh, to go with him, actually. I think Cincinnati might not need Dalton to throw the ball a lot to beat uh, Johnny Manziel and the Cleveland Browns. Plus, you know, we all think the Thursday games offer less to offense a lot of times. I don't know if that's just a stereotype or if it's actually true, but that is the, the common thought anyway. So I'll stick with Phillip Rivers, even though he doesn't have his top target. I think he's still got enough to be pretty productive against Chicago. Um, yeah, and like you said, this he, he might not have to throw the ball a ton or the Chicago game and the San Diego, Chicago-San Diego game could, you know, be a nice back and forth or and there could be some some made up makeup having to be made there by uh, by Mr. Rivers. Um, I think the big thing is running backs are supposed to be the the big scorers on Thursday night. The big, uh, you know, of course New England, except for New England running backs that is. But uh, well, I guess Deion Lewis had a nice Thursday, but um, not rushing the ball certainly. Um, so maybe Jeremy Hill and Gio Bernard are the way to go. But uh, yeah, Dalton. He just might not have to do it, I, and I and I do think Cleveland has somewhat of a, a decent defense, but uh, geez, I don't know what they're doing starting Manziel. It's not like Josh McCown has been, you know, throwing five picks a game. I mean, they certainly have been effective, and I just don't know. I mean, obviously they're just trying to give their team a boost, but I, I think you're giving you're making the wrong person the fall guy. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more in that uh, on that subject later when we get to. Uh, 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 the ATS picks. What do we think about Lamar Miller at Buffalo? A little bit of a revenge game for the Dolphins, or Todd Gurley versus uh, Eric Kendricks and the Minnesota Vikings at Minnesota? What do you think there, Nick? Well, it's tough to see either of these guys right now, the way they're playing, but uh, I think I would uh, go with Todd Gurley. I think he's just unbenchable at this point, uh, plus the fact that he might want to but he might be a little more motivated to put on a show for Adrian Peterson on the sidelines, kind of a, a passing of the torch type of game. So I'm going to go with Todd Gurley. Okay. Jeez, oh, I don't – this is a tough one. Um, you know, and I'm sure there will be some some mythical stories written about, you know, Gurley and AP going on the same field and whatnot since that's been the big comparison. And we haven't necessarily seen anybody stop Gurley. You know, they've contained him somewhat here and there, but, uh, you know, Gurley seemed to be having, oh, no, he's going to have a bad game, and then he rips off a 71-yard touchdown run on Sunday. Um, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Lamar Miller. I think he's just the the focal point of this offense, and I see – 
I see Minnesota hold more, as a more complete team and holding an edge in this game or holding the lead at least. So I think uh, I think Gurley, where he certainly could have a great game. I think uh, I think uh, Miller maybe catches a few more balls and has just just a slightly better game. And I think Miami, since they got pummeled so bad by Buffalo, is not going to take their foot off the pedal in this one. So I'll go not just to disagree with you, but I'll, I'm going to go with Lamar Miller in this game. Um, and I traded him away too. Uh, what do you think about Allen Robinson versus uh, Rivas Island or T.Y. versus Chris Harris, I guess? This is this is brutal. I wouldn't uh, blame anybody for benching either one of these guys this week. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. They'd both be tough to start. But uh, you look at last week, five catches for 46 yards. Those were Amari Cooper's numbers on Revis Island. Now, do you think Allen Robertson's better than Amari Cooper? I don't. So I see that as an absolute ceiling. So I think I would probably go with T.Y. Hilton. And, you know, hey, if you got Allen Hearns, that might be a decent play this week. Uh, yeah, I was a little confused. I've seen Hearns in some people's rankings really, really low. And, um, yeah, I think he I think he is a great player there. Um, oh, geez, I just don't know. It's, it seems this is a really hard one. This was suggested to me by our Cinnamon Stardom uh, guru, the guy that writes the article every week, Luke Brilli. So uh, maybe he'll write about this one this week and he can put some more clarity on it. But Ty does even seems like when he's having a bad game, he always does seem to have that. Uh, that one play, he makes that one play that makes his fantasy day all worth it. And I think he can maybe maybe do that because there's a little more a uh, little more weapons in this offense uh, for the Colts, and I do envision the Colts being down and having to throw the ball in this game. I don't know why that is against that Denver defense, but I'm sure that could be the be the case. And uh, yeah, good luck shaking shaking Revis Island there, Mister. Uh, Mr. Robinson. Um, we'll get Dan's joining us here in about 10 minutes to do the Dynasty Dilemma. So let's get to some thoughts here, Nick, on uh, on week eight. Any any initial thoughts? I know we've kind of dabbled here and there, and this is usually a segment we do at the beginning of the show. But any initial thoughts, kind of what you thought about the week that was? Oh, well, uh, what? we have a have... tight Oh, Go yeah, ahead. we can do the tight end. Sure. Let's do this right um, sure. Uh, Greg Olson versus the Packers, or Ben Watson versus the Titans. Never thought this would be a dilemma coming coming into the season, but like we, like we talked about earlier with Watson, here we are. What do you think, Nick? Well, Watson's just been on fire the last four weeks, including nine catches for 147 yards and a score last week. I think Olsen probably has a higher floor, but I think personally I'd ride the hot hand in Ben Watson, especially against Tennessee. They're not exactly the most out of defenses. As I can continue to bitch about not picking up Gary Barnage, I looked at him for the first couple weeks in DFW 16. I'm just like, whatever. And then I picked up Ben Watson, and then I obviously dropped him at the wrong time because now he's just going off. Oh, and here I sit with Julius Thomas and some guy named Pisano. Um, but anyway, I Watson versus the Titans is very enticing, but I just don't know if Green Bay has anybody to stop 
Greg Olson, and I think he is the number one option in this offense. So I, I see, I see Carolina being smart, obviously really wanting to uh, be conservative and win this game. And I think the first passing option will always be Greg Olson. I'm going to say two touchdowns to Michelle Olson this week. Why not? Um, especially with Clay Matthews a little bit dinged up. Uh, not to say Watson won't have a good game, but I just think I think they they have a lot of more people in the linebacking core and secondary for Tennessee to to uh, cover him, and I think there'll be a little bit of a rally around the family situation there with uh, Wisden Hunt being fired. But uh, seriously, I I know he was three and twenty, but that's that's too early. You got to give a coach three seasons, I think, in the NFL. But anyway, what are some of your thoughts on Week Eight, Nick? Well, Atlanta, after losing to Tampa Bay, I think they could be in trouble. Uh, lucky for them, they get San Francisco this week. But if they do lose to the 49ers and Blaine Gabbard, they may not make the playoffs this year. Uh, speaking of not making the playoffs, Detroit's just terrible, uh, losing 45-10 to 10 against Kansas City. That's 45 points given up to an Alex Smith-led offense. But the head coach, Jim Caldwell, is now just blaming the negative media. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's auditioning for a job in politics because I don't think he'll be a head coach there much longer. Uh, and then New England, uh, 36, Miami, 7. Miami had been playing pretty good, but they ran into the juggernaut Patriots. Uh, Patriots state the Redskins this week. Somebody I follow on Twitter, no, I follow so many uh, Redskins writers and whatnot. I think it was Kenneth Clyburn, though, uh, made the comment uh, that New England is great at stopping shutting down a team's strengths, but what would they do against Washington, who isn't particularly good at anything? Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, do we have a double-digit spread on that one later, Nick? I guess we'll have to find out. Oh, yeah, we do. More like a two-touchdown, probably. But anyway, um, well, I got a I got a whole lot. I mean, the Wizard Hut fire, and I, I thought it was a little too early. I mean, you give this guy no running backs and really just keep, uh, Kendall right at wide receiver. I don't know how you expect him to win any games. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, mean, I don't know how you expect your young nucleus of players to, to be successful when you, you know, fired your coach 18 months into his tenure. I just, and you're going to get a new guy and start all over again. They'll probably draft different players, and there's just going to be a lot of confusion there. But, anyway, oh. If only I was an NFL executive. How about the Arizona Cardinals throwing for over 300 yards and having over 30 rushing attempts? I don't. That's just that's a stat that just kind of stuck with me. I don't know if that's that's happened very often. Doesn't seem like there's enough time in NFL game for that to happen, but uh, it certainly did. And maybe maybe I'm way off and this happens more often, but I I'm not. But I thought that was pretty interesting, and I know Chris. Johnson had at least 31 of those rushing attempts. So uh, that was interesting. Obviously, the fantasy uh, world, um, fantasy running back world is officially the murkiest it's been in a long time, losing Le'Veon Bell. Uh, That play, um, when you saw the regular motion and maybe the first angle they showed on TV, you're just like, oh. And then you saw the slow motion replay of, of the knee just buckling to the side, and you just like you just knew you just knew he was done for the year on in a second. It's just ugh. it was painful to watch, and I feel for the guy just because he's such a player. Um, Steve Smith Senior, surefire Hall of Famer, 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 yes. Uh, very very unfortunate. This could be the end. Now I know he said he's coming back. I hate to see even things worse happen. 
if he comes back. I mean, I know he's a man and he doesn't want to go out like that, but I, I, I don't think anybody's going to, you know, say, well, you know, he, you know, let a, let a torn Achilles end his career. We already knew his career was going to be done at the end of the year, and it was just un- unfortunate the way it happened. So he might try to come back, but I, 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 I just hope he doesn't. I just, I, not that I don't want to see him on the NFL field again. I just feel like what 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 else could happen when he comes back? I just don't want to see anything worse happen to the guy. Uh, 77 yards for Aaron Rodgers. As if that wasn't bad enough, he was outdueled by Matt Castle of all people for 97 yards. Now, Nick, if I were to say to you Sunday morning, I'll bet you Matt Castle throws for more yards than Aaron Rodgers this week. Now, you would probably think, well, they are playing the Denver Broncos. So maybe Castle has a pretty good game against Seattle. Oh, wait, Seattle, Richard Sherman? Oh, no. Uh, they both threw for under 100 yards. And, uh, yeah. And now Aaron Rodgers has to play the Carolina Panthers. 77 Aaron Rodgers yards. I just I can't get over that. I mean, I know this tennis, or Denver defense is good, but that is unreal. Um, the biggest surprise to me all weekend, though, was the Texans winning. Um, and apparently it was a surprise to a lot of people in Houston or Tennessee that fired the coach. But the Texans won? Wait, what? Oh, yes, it was a division game. That's how they won. Uh, Oaktown offense is apparently for real. I I shake a little bit when I say that because I want it so hard to deep in my heart to believe it. But uh, And maybe that, like Nick and Chuck said last week, maybe this was a little hangover for the Jets after traveling all the way across the country after losing the heartbreaker to the pass. But, uh I think it's okay to be excited for you, Oakland Raider fans. It's uh, it's been been really nice. Um, as if things couldn't, times could not get any worse in the Bay. Blaine Gabbert is now the starter in San Francisco. Really, doesn't this seem like putting a stink bomb in a badly smelling garbage can? I, I just don't. I mean, Gabbert is the worst quarterback in NFL history, right? The worst quarterback to actually play. I mean, I oh, he's just terrible. I just don't see what the point of this is. We're going to hear a lot more answers on this in the question and answer Saturday. So I look forward to that. But uh, And, yeah, one more time with the Titans. They just continue to move backwards. This this is not going to get them anywhere. I know they're upset, but you got to give your coach three years. Give them three years, three full off seasons. Fire your coach at the end of the year. So whatever, whoever they sign or whatever, yeah, you, you just can't do it. I just just don't get it at all. Um, Nick, let's do uh, Nick Ransom. We got a couple minutes here before uh, before Dan joins us. Go ahead. I don't have the music ready. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's uh, all good. Uh, today I'm going to have a fun talk about player safety. Yawn. But seriously, Reggie Bush is out for the year because there's concrete smooth, slippery concrete around an NFL football field. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, it was hard enough to walk on anything but grass wearing cleats, and I couldn't imagine going the speed NFL players can reach. Uh, you know, and the fact that Bush got hurt just one week after Cleveland quarterback McCown got hurt, also on St. Louis's concrete-surrounded field. Uh, you, you know, other teams have had field issues, too. You know, in San Francisco, I believe, there was a kicker that tried to plant for a field goal, and the ground just gave way on his plant leg. Uh, Washington's FedEx field has been notoriously that for years, and the NFL sees fit to make their million-dollar investments to the players go out in obviously hazardous situations. That is just mind-blowing to me. 
The NFL has fashion police at every game, making sure nobody wrote anything on their eye black or is wearing the wrong color socks. Maybe they should send somebody the, uh, the day or two before a game to the stadiums and make sure the fields are appropriate up to the standards of the most popular sports league in the country, if not the world. You know, what if instead of Reggie Bush, it was Todd Gurley who ended up on the concrete? Uh, you know, I know it's always a given that the Rams are going to be in L.A. next year, but hey, L.A., it seems like all 32 teams want to get with you. Maybe you should try to play hard to get a little bit. Sorry, Rams, but your organization's recent history of providing substandard playing facilities has forced the city of L.A. to pass on your franchise in favor of, you know, whatever other team. Or, you know, maybe if it's not fixed by December, Detroit or Tampa Bay, both of whom will have nothing to play for, they should just refuse to play on the unsafe surface. Oh, what, it's an automatic loss, so we have a better draft position? Mike Evans isn't putting arms away, and a statement gets made all at the same time. Uh, you know, I, and I know that'll never happen, but hey, I can dream, right, Josh? Yeah, and thanks for uh, making sure that the guy that I'm defending in this week's dilemma, Todd Gurley, has mentioned just about every five minutes of this show so far today. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you bring up a good point. Does what's it going to take? Is it going to take a Gurley, you know, shattered elbow on that concrete? Not to wish anything on anybody, but seriously, why? Why is there concrete there? It just continues to happen. I mean, ten, or the Niners lost two running backs in the first quarter and a half of that game. You know, for multiple weeks, it's not like they just got dinged up. This is multiple weeks. What? St. Louis doesn't even deserve this team. Uh, maybe they should be the team moving to London. Um, now, Nick, I also, I also heard that there's some rumblings that they could potentially have a team in Hawaii someday. So there you go. Something, something to cheer for. The Hawaii Rams, um, Hawaii Jaguars. Maybe, maybe coconuts would be more of a, of a an effective mascot there too. <laughs> The Islander life, and maybe you have some better ideas, but uh, yes, why, oh, why is there concrete anywhere near uh, an an NFL field? That just does not make any sense to me at all, and you've heard multiple stories about that this week, and uh, we just, we had to hit on it, you know, I don't know if anybody here is a fan of The Daily Show, but, uh, you know, Nick Rance has kind of become a little bit like the Lewis Black segment on the Daily Show, the stories that fall through the cracks. This one necessarily wasn't like that. Uh, But uh, he he likes to pick them up and uh, focus on them and, you know, just kind of slap it around a little bit. So uh, that was Nick Rance. And now we have, oh, the beautiful Dan Hines coming down after a crazy day at Subway on the phone. Hold on. Let's get Dan. Dan, are you there? Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, you even sound tired, bud. How you doing today? <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> National Sandwich Day can go. You know what itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made so many damn sandwiches yesterday. You have no idea. I mean, seriously, it was it was crazy, crazy. So okay. Well, hopefully it was financially Did you go? Did you go get a sandwich? Did you I guys did get a sandwich? How about you, Nick? I, uh, I know whole, I know Subway's pretty big in Hawaii. Uh, no, I did not. I had uh, some poke for lunch instead. All right. Well, you were the only two then. Okay. Yeah. My, <laughs> I'm on that. I'm on that uh, low carb, clear alcohol only, Real Housewife diet. So I'm actually losing <laughs> a few pounds. So a little. little right uh, on. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back on the show. Nice rant, Nick. Yeah. I liked it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Always, always good stuff to get, to get Nick all fired up. But anyway, Dan is filling in, filling in for us on this awesome dynasty dilemma that we have. So of course we're going to let you go first as we pit, pit Odell Beckham Jr. versus Todd Gurley, who seems to be mentioned often today, and versus Julio Jones. So uh, uh, Dan is going to go first, and then Nick will take Julio, and then. I will girly, but let's get to the music first. So, Dan, what do you got for us on Mr. Odell Beckham Jr.? All right. Um, so, there to say there's a clear winner here for me is definitely a bit of a stretch. I think you're... Uh, splitting hairs any number of ways. I have no problem taking Odell Beckham. Um, I certainly can, you know, I can easily make the argument these three belong in the same conversation. It's very easy in Dynasty to get wrapped up in a couple weeks' worth of work um, when the ebbs and flows of this league are always going to come back and get you every player, even the best, even... You know, Todd Gurley taking the league by storm, even Odell Beckham having an amazing rookie season. I mean, there is no chance he was going to live up to that, you know, season this year. And by all accounts, he really has on a lot of levels. Um, it's just we, our, our mind frame on these guys gets so ridiculously blown out of proportion that, you know, it's hard for them to live up. Um, you know, Devonta Freeman is on a similar ride right now. Um, and it's going to just keep going and going and going. And you guys know I love him more than anybody. Um, but the reality is, is there is a reality to this. I mean, look at Andrew Luck, for Christ's sakes, this year. I mean, yeah, he's still managing to scrounge a little bit, at, you know, for garbage time points, but... The guy's been a crap hole quarterback for most of the year. He's not helping his team, at, you know, at all. And, I mean, here's the arguably the absolute safest pick we've had in decades. If you're really looking at just sure thing, solid production, I want to make sure I never miss on my first-round pick, I'm taking Andrew Luck. I mean, I can certainly make an argument, and now look at what she's dealing with. I'm, I started Eli over him last year or last week. Thank God I did. For some reason, I always know when to start Eli. <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, to even have to make that call is annoying. So, I mean, I want to start mainly with that because the the sexy pick is girly right now, and I can't argue against that. If I'm starting fresh and want a young stud Adrian Peterson-like running back for the next potential 10 years, you know, he's a clear number one pick. But at the same time, Odell Beckham has done nothing to get knocked off his perch at this point, except not live up to the, you know, demigod status that so many of us have anointed, that so many people anointed him to in the offseason. So really, when it gets down to this, I can nitpick. I don't trust Julio Jones or, you know, in terms of his ability to stay healthy. I never have. I trust him in his ability to produce and produce at an absolute elite level anytime he's on the field. I just have always been mildly annoyed with his inability to keep his lower body 
healthy throughout the season. Uh, it's a risk a lot of people are willing to take. And, you know, if the price was right, I would take it too. It's just never allowed me to really roster him very much. Todd Gurley, he's a running back. That's always scary. We've seen it before. Um, with that position, if we're just looking at these three wide receivers, a much safer position to invest in in a dynasty, much more predictable, good building block. However, there's an enormous advantage to locking up a once-in-a-generation running back, you know, uh, talent if, in fact, he can continue to do that. Um, All signs point to it. If I were a betting man, I would bet on it. Um, But uh, that being said, there is no more volatile position in the NFL, and if we need to go back and look at the top ten running back rankings over the last five or six years from where they were to where they are, you know, that's really all you need to know. And uh, certainly he gets to be a part of that group now going forward. So, and, you know, Odell Beckham, you know, he struggled with the injuries early on, but after that he's managed to stay on the field. He's young. He's producing, you know, basically at the same level as Julio, maybe not quite as good, but he's right there. And there's the X factor for me with Odell Beckham is flavor. You know, it's panage, it's sex appeal, it's, uh, you know, it's pizzazz. pizzazz. It's, uh, if I want a little attitude and a little, yeah, it's bam, you know, it's, uh, it's a rotisserie bacon sandwich from Subway, you know, it's, uh, (laughs) and, uh, so, you know, if if you're looking at reasons why, you know, you can break these three up, well, Gurley's got the running back advantage, positional advantage. Um, that being said, you're looking at a shorter life frame more than likely. You're looking at more possible injury outs. He's already shown with his running style that this is going to be an ongoing issue. Even Adrian Peterson has shown that it's an ongoing issue as he's compared to so many times. But Adrian has just always managed to avoid missing time with his injuries, um, you know, freakishly enough as it is. Um, So that's really, you know, Odell Beckham is my pick for those reasons. Uh, To me, he's the safest one of the two, and uh, he gives you a little more youth than Julio. Julio is going to, he's in a couple years, in another year, people are going to start freaking out on him. I mean, that's how fickle the dynasty community is with age. So, um, you know, another year and a half, and, oh, shit, we better sell now or he's going to be worth it. (laughs) And, I mean, and, I mean, I get it. I get it from a pure stock market value standpoint. I just don't subscribe to those things with my strategy. So, for me, it's the young, you know, wide receiver one with flair and panage and safety with the same upside that Julio can offer you. And that's Odell Beckham. Okay. And I should preface should have prefaced this earlier by saying um the cut the angle that we're kinda of trying to dig here is who are you gonna take one point zero one next year. Now I now we named it I uh we named the three players here before we before we just didn't let everybody pick, but uh we just didn't want people to pick the same three people. So Nick, what do you got for us on Julio Jones? 
Well, I agree with Dan that these guys are all pretty close. First off, even if I wasn't sold on Julio Jones for the number one overall pick next year, I don't think I would take Todd Gurley or Odell Beckham that high either. I'll start with Gurley. Uh, you know, conventional wisdom states that you should build your dynasty team young, around young wide receivers, mostly due to their longevity. Very for very few running backs last long enough to merit a first-round pick in a startup draft. And when Gurley already has a blown knee on his resume, I just can't risk that high a pick, no matter how good he's looked uh, so far this season. Uh, there's the old saying, you can't win your league in round one, but you can lose it. So I want somebody safe, especially considering that I wouldn't pick again until the end of round two. Now, Odell Beckham passes the two tests that Gurley failed, but he is risky, riskier than Julio simply due to the small sample size. We've only seen 20 games from him. I would guess that Victor Cruz, 20 games into his career, his stock would have been right around the same place that uh, Odell Beckham is right now. Um, Plus, uh, Odell's been kind of inconsistent this year. He's got three games where he's been under 10 points, and that's only in eight games. Uh, five catches, 44 yards, five catches, four catches, five yards. And in all three of those games, no touchdowns. Oh, and his quarterback, Eli Manning, is four years older than Matt Ryan. So, and uh, Odell Beckham has more competition for targets. I think Dwayne Harris and Reuben Randall are a lot better than Leonard Hankerson and, and aging Roddy White. So, you know, now that we've ruled out Gurley and Odell, why should Julio be the pick? I just think he's been by far the more consistent for the last year and a half. He averaged around 100 yards a game last year and had over 100 catches, and he's been nothing short of great this year. Six of his eight games, he's been over 90 yards, two games with multiple scores. Uh, the dude has 41 more fantasy points than Odell Beckham this year. Plus, he's bigger, six foot three to five foot eleven. So those injuries, those could have been just fluke. He has played all of one, all but one game in uh, the last year and a half. He's still only in his fifth year. I think Julio Jones is the guy that can help you win today, every week, or seven out of eight weeks, just so far this year, anyway. Okay. Well. You guys kind of taken took some of the words out of my mouth, which I knew was going to happen with their being a three-headed monster, but that's all right. Uh, now, I realize you guys have a distinct advantage of stats or track record to fall back on. Um, while I get the freedom to mystify the legend that is Todd Gurley. Now, I'm not sure if Dan remembers teaching uh, Professor Burgundy's Dynasty 101 class to me and Nick. Uh, but he did remind all of us that, like Nick said, that you, you to the, I want to remind, excuse me, all of you that care to win, that the first rule of dynasty is to load up on young white. Oh, but wait, I'm defending the running back here. Oh yes, unless there is a transcendent RV available, I will take Todd Gurley 1.1 next season because I have finally seen the lights. I. I, more than anybody, needed to see Gurley and pads rip off one of his custom 20-yard runs like he did so effortlessly in college to fully embrace him. Modern medicine, is a, isn't it a marvelous thing? Um, but less, but the loss of a fantasy juggernaut like Le'Veon Bell reminds us all that the season can be swallowed up in an instant. The heat of the battle loosens tendons and hardens tackles at the same time. When you pit... Any RB versus such electric forces like Odell and Julio, it's hard not to play the longevity card here. And this is a stark truth for all running backs. Yet Gurley is potentially the, the, the best since AP, right? A once-in-a-decade type of player. Um, wide receivers like Odell and Julio are less rare. 
Julio is a contemporary with A.J. Green, just like Odell is a contemporary with Sammy Watkins, Brandon Cooks, Mike Evans, John Brown, Kelvin Benjamin. In between, after, and before all those receivers I just mentioned, we, we were given Alshon Jeffrey, Keenan Allen, DeAndre Hopkins, Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, Demarius Thomas, Antonio Brown, Des Bryant. See where I'm going here? To name a few of those guys have been drafted. Those are the guys that have been drafted within the last five seasons. Now, what exactly has the fantasy world been giving you running back-wise over that same time span? Eddie Lacy? Le'Veon Bell? Who else? Really? Bishop Sankey? Monte Ball? I mean, that, this is where we're at. Uh, at this point, having a good wide receiver fleet is awesome. But having a true RB with an elite skill set is far more rare. Gurley does have that mirage quality like Bo Jackson and Marcus Dupree carried so boldly with them. But Gurley, maybe Gurley is more of a Earl Campbell-esque player. Maybe he leads the league in rushing for three or four seasons and drops 15 touchdowns at each one of those. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, he has a longer life like Frank Gore or AP. It also should be noted that his knee injury scared more cats than dogs. Uh, and I will take him 1.1 next season because, like Burgundy taught me, you got to gamble a little. You have you have to be bold and gamble. While it's really easy to say Gurley will have will not have more than three years of effectiveness, uh, like Dan said, I don't think there's people lining up to bet against him. In just 74 rushing attempts, Todd Gurley already has 442 yards. That's a cool six-yard average. He's averaging 110 yards per game. No other rookie running back has done that in their first small sample size. And I know it is a small sample size. But you must be elated to own Gurley or draft him next season, no matter the format. Dan, do you have any, any rebuttals there? No, good arguments across the board. Okay. Nick, anything else you want to say or dispel? Uh, I agree with Dan. Uh, I think all of us made pretty pretty good points here. So trade everybody on your team so you can get all three of these guys. I guess we're a fan, <laughs> or or what have you. So uh, uh, if you have all three of these guys, you are one hell of a dynasty owner. But anyway, thank you, Dan, for joining us, filling in on short notice, and uh, hopefully you get some get some sleep there. Okay, buddy. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, we'll have a pleasure. We'll have you. We'll have you back real soon, buddy. All right, take care. All right, later. All right, big thanks to Dan for filling in there last minute for us. Um, Dynasty trade analysis. Uh, Let's play the clip. Time for Dynasty trade analysis. All right, all right, all right. Okay, now this first one, things have obviously changed since they play games every week in the NFL, but uh, this is kind of a choice here, Nick, and obviously we don't know when Des Bryant's going to return to full health, but uh, uh, maybe let's say you look at this one from a couple different angles here. Des Bryant for Keenan Allen in a 2016 first, or Des Bryant for Mike Evans in a 2016 first? What do you think there, Nick? 
Well, like you said, uh, things change a lot with Keenan Allen's injury. Uh, it, right now, I wouldn't trade Des Bryant for either of these. Uh, I definitely, before the, uh, this last weekend, would have taken Keenan Allen uh, over Mike Evans. He had just been a lot more consistent and more productive this year, but obviously with the, the injury, it's tough. Uh, at least it's not like a leg injury, so hopefully he shouldn't lose any speed or anything like that coming back next season. But right now, I think just because of the injury, you'd probably uh, lean towards the Mike Evans side. But again, I wouldn't trade Des Bryant for either of these right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I look at this as if maybe I was on a rebuilding team, and obviously losing Des Bryant for the amount of weeks that you've lost him already, you could certainly be in that situation. So I would maybe just look at the situation and think the fact that you're getting Mike Evans, he obviously has, you know, what people are already believing to be a franchise quarterback and locked in with him for the next probably five or six years. Rivers, we don't necessarily know. You know, I would be surprised if trade rumors start to fly again with him this offseason. So I think I would lean the Mike Evans side as well because I'm getting a guy that's entrenched with a quarterback for the next, like I said, five years probably, and and a first-round pick. So I think I think that's pretty fair comp. Uh, what do we think? This is maybe this is going to be more than just a just a little a trade analysis here. But what do we think about trading a first round pick for Stephon Diggs next year, Nick? Is that is that good decent value there? I think so. Especially, I mean, look at this last year's draft. Who who was a lot of the first round picks? Melvin Gordon, Nelson Aguilar, Brant um, Perryman, uh, not Brant Perryman, but uh. The, the Baltimore receiver pairman, uh, Tevin Coleman. Uh, a lot of these first-round picks have done absolutely nothing to help their fantasy owners, whereas Stephon Diggs is a guy who's, who's come in and contributed as soon as he uh, broke into the lineup. I, I definitely would trade a first-round pick for Diggs right now. Uh, I remember in one of our rookie drafts watching – Vani take uh, Diggs in like the fifth or sixth round. I'm like, what is he doing taking that Diggs guy? Seriously, is he even going to play? And I'm totally disagreeing myself. But anyway, trading, yeah, the first round pick, you know, it's, it's, it seems so reasonable at the time, you know, or it seems, you know, so like enticing. And it's certainly, you really have to look and see like who's giving you that pick and where that pick's going to be. I mean, you know, some of the top teams is trading you their first-round picks so they can have digs as insurance. You know, you're going to have, you know, your middle-of-the-row first-round pick and then what at the end of the first round, which, you know, this year I got, you know, Jai at the end of the first round. So that's not necessarily not necessarily anything. And you're giving up a guy with a great future that's really, really, you know, ahead of anybody that you're going to get in the draft next year. So it's – I think that's fair compensation, but that's, of course, I don't own stuff on digs, and that's what I've been trying to give for him. So uh, it's just, just be very cautious. You know, if somebody at the bottom of the bottom of the standings is off you there, maybe then this is a little more worth it because you know you're going to be getting a top five player in the next year's draft. And and uh, just make sure you have enough wide receiver weapons to, to give up on digs, and that's certainly not the case with me in any of my leagues. But uh, Andy, what do you think about Andy Dalton? for Cam Newton in a 2016 third-round pick? 
I think if I was trying to win this year, I would hold on to Dalton. But if I was building for the future, I would have no problem giving up Dalton for Cam Newton. Um, I, I, Dalton is in a better situation right now. He definitely with A.J. Green and the, uh, the running backs and Tyler Eifert, he's got so many weapons around him. Whereas Cam Newton, he's doing what he's doing with pretty much no no help. And it's not due to the organization not trying to surround him with weapons. They drafted Kelvin Benjamin last year, uh, Devin Funches uh, in the second round this year. They're trying to provide him with targets. So I think the future is bright for Cam Newton. So I think, you know, if you're getting an extra pick in return and you're building for the future, I would have no problem moving Dalton right now. Yeah, I actually threw this one in there because I, I could not pull – I own Dalton and I could not pull the trigger on this. I just – I, and I have luck as a quarterback in this league as well. So it's not like I'm not quarterbackless. I just and we can only start one quarterback. I just I just didn't feel like that was enough. And I just I even though we haven't seen it yet, I just worry about Camp how how long he can stay healthy and just just by carrying this team on his back. You know, I believe Cam to be a superior talent, but uh, Dalton is in a far better situation. If these teams were reversed, I mean, who who knew who knows what Cam would be doing with Cincinnati and all those weapons around him? That would be insanity. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I guess I would still lean towards the Dalton side, just because he's not that much older than than Cam, and he's certainly, like I said earlier, with my stud of the year, he's growing and. Nobody wanted to admit it, but we, this is where we are, and he's showing maturity, and it's, it's got to be the full hawk, Nick. Um, well, uh, maybe the last time we hear this, but uh, let's do some Dynasty Depth Charger action. So I really need to find the clip now. Uh, sorry. There we go. It's Dynasty Depth Charger time. Well, uh, Chris Hogan is a guy who gets overlooked in Buffalo. I think he could be in a situation where he could break out, though. Sammy Watkins is beginning to appear injury-prone, as is Percy Harvin, who's rumored to be contemplating retirement over the last couple weeks. Uh, Last year, Hogan had five games with five or more catches. This year, he's had at least one catch every week since week two, including uh, six catches for 56 yards in their last game. Sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures, and Hogan provides a solid floor to get a handful of points in a bi-week fill-in situation. And if the cards shake out right, he could be in for a pretty bright future. You know, if you're holding on to a guy like Cordell Patterson, realize that Hogan not only not only has outproduced him this year. Uh, I think heading into last week, Patterson had two catches all season long. But, you know, Hogan outproduced <laughs> him last year as well. Uh, you know, just cut your losses and grab the smaller name, the bigger production guy in Chris Hogan. Yeah, we we saw a, you know some flashes. I think there was like about maybe a five, four or five week stretch where Chris Hogan was pretty pretty fantasy viable last year in Buffalo too. So I mean that's not by mistake. And obviously they added some weapons and there's there was somewhat of a coaching regime, but uh, change, but uh, somewhat there was a coaching change. So Hogan kind of got pushed back down on the depth chart. But here here he is again. He just remains healthy and productive in Buffalo, and you can't overlooked that Robert Woods is still there and yes you know Sammy is is unbelievable but he's not always healthy and you it's nice to have a guy like this on you know on your bench too so when Watkins misses those games or when 
know, Harvin retires or, or whatever he's going to do next, you, you have that, that basis to fall back on. And, and Hogan, like I said, just remains healthy and he's productive when he gets the opportunity. So, you know, keep, keep an eye on that situation. Keep him on your bench. If he is there, please do. Let's patch Mr. Chuck Podeski through as we get to some ATS picks. Well, good morning, Josh. Good, good. morning, Nick. Good morning. Is, uh, good afternoon. Yeah, that's right. It's a rare rainy day here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's almost uh, it's almost afternoon here too. What my big question this week is: uh, if Johnny Manziel's starting, who is his backup? Is it Austin Davis? Uh, that is a good question. I I thought they were just benching him like a team like a team pulls their goalie when they're getting trounced in a game in hockey. Yeah. Is as McCallum officially out? Is that what you're hearing? Well, I've heard that Johnny Manziel officially will start in this game, so uh, that's what I heard on the national radio this morning, and uh, maybe that has been uh, maybe that's been taken down. But that you know that was the last I heard that Johnny Manziel would be starting on Thursday night. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't that, know why no, I'm worried is... about that. <laughs> I, I, I'm worried about I'm, I'm still wrestling with the uh, Eddie Lacy and uh, Randall Cobb issue. You know, I mean. <laughs> How many weeks do these guys have to stink before before you change them? And I think and I think the answer is maybe one more week against the Panthers. But I don't have the guts to uh, you know I've got Brandon LaFell, but I don't have the guts to put LaFell in in, in place of Cobb. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, maybe those guys in those two quarterback leagues are worried about the Manziel situation, but I don't think. Uh, I think Josh McCown is healthy. That's 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 the weird thing. I don't get why they're making this decision either. But uh, maybe we will uh, get to a little bit more of that as we discuss the the Thursday line. What do you, what do you got for us on the Thursday game? There? Oh boy. Well, uh, should we discuss last week? Um, it was not good for no, any. Well, okay. wasn't good for me. Uh, I went six, seven, and one. Our sweeps picks went one, four, and one. The one game uh, we won, I believe. Ooh. Well, we pushed on the Saints. And we yeah. uh, let's see. I think we we won the Cowboys game. How about that? And all the and all that mess. The Cowboys game was the one we won. <laughs> oh, what an awful game that was to watch. Um, yeah, on I my Chuck's I choices, say... I I I went two two what? and one on my Chuck's choices, and I pushed on the uh, on the Saints game, of course. But uh, so not a good week, but not a loser. So we can always well, I guess in Las Vegas, if you're even, you're a loser. So I guess it was a losing week. Okay. Got to get that juice. Um, looks like uh, Josh McCown did not practice yesterday with right shoulder and rib injuries. But Manziel's also listed with an elbow issue. But he did practice yesterday. So. She Florida was. Well, Cleveland. I am sure that. Here's, uh, yeah. here's Johnny Manziel. I'm sure that I heard that Manziel was starting today, but that, you know, that could be wrong. No, I, no, I, no, I mean, is, of course. Yeah, what, that, no, that is official. That is official. Oh, I was okay. just wondering why. I was just wondering why. Just uh, just makes my uh, <laughs> me playing the Bengals defense even better. <laughs> yes, 
roll with it. So what, speaking of the Bengals and the Browns, okay. what do you got for us on a Thursday line there, sir? Yeah, I guess we might as well start there because it's tomorrow night. Uh, the game uh, was 10.5 yesterday. It's gone up to 11 points. Let me check that one more time because uh, that uh, Manziel memo could have taken things out of whack. Uh, no, it's still uh, the uh, Bengals are favored by 11 points, so you got a lot of, a lot of leeway if you're going to take the Browns this week. All right, Nick, what do you think? Well, I know it's a Thursday game. They tend to be low-scoring, so in low-scoring games, you want to avoid the large point spread. I just can't in good conscience take Johnny Manziel as much as I've hammered on him the last couple of years. I I have no faith in him. I think that, you know, even if the two teams' offense is tied, Johnny will throw two pick-sixes, and that will cover the spread there. So I, I have to take the Bengals. <sighs> I don't really have any reason besides that's a division game that's way too many points, and I know – Cleveland embarrassed Cincinnati last year on Thursday night, and I feel like the Bengals are going to return the favor, but only by 10 points. So give me Johnny Manziel and 11 points, and I don't feel very good saying that. Well, you shouldn't feel good saying either of these teams in this game, you guys. Uh, there, there are a lot of things in play here. First of all, Johnny Manziel, you know, a lot of times a new quarterback, the wounded dog theory, the new quarterback will energize the team. Uh, also in the Browns' favor is the fact that this is uh, the uh, not only a divisional game, but this big rivalry between the two teams from Ohio. Uh, on the other hand, I got to... I've got to wonder how things are playing out with the Browns team, with them, you know, supposedly, you know, what they what they said in, in a fire sale to uh, to trade all their players. Joe Thomas almost went this week, but uh, there's been rumblings about a lot of guys losing their jobs and everything. Uh, things are uh, that can't help a team's self-image. Uh, I'm I'm going to take I'm going to take the Bengals and. Like I say, Josh, I wouldn't fault you for taking the Browns. I wouldn't fault people for going either way. Uh, Nick made a good point. There's uh, uh, In a game like this, which may be low scoring, and, and maybe the Bengals may go over the total themselves of 46, but um, in a low scoring game, you, uh, you would t- take 11 points easily, but for some reason I'm going to take the Bengals. Call me crazy. Okay. Uh, in just case anybody's interested the yeah the yahoo pick distribution on this on this against the spread right now is currently cincinnati 59 to cleveland 41 so that's a percentage action mm. but uh so it's, okay. it's fairly even because i think because of the double digits uh what do you got for us uh the revenge game miami going to buffalo miami dolphins in buffalo the bills are uh favored by three points here And that's that's just because they're the home team. I think of this one. I I, I got to take Miami plus the plus, or minus or excuse me plus the points in this one just because. Hello. Um, but I'm sorry, but uh, maybe maybe Nick maybe Nick can dispel that. I just I just think this this is a revenge game after what happened to Buffalo, and uh, after what Buffalo did to Miami in Miami, and so I'm going to take Miami plus the points. Sorry about that, Nick. What do you got? Uh, I agree with you. You know, throw out what happened last week to Miami against New England. The Patriots have just been destroying everybody. So before that, Miami had looked really good for two weeks in a row. I think they're going to go up to Buffalo and, like you said, get revenge. So I'll take the Dolphins. 
Chuck, what do you think? Yeah, unlike unlike uh, uh, unlike yeah, what Nick said. I'm sorry, I was uh, I was uh, trying to formulate my words there. Uh, Miami was on a roll. And then they went to New England, and the same thing happened to them in New England that happens to a lot of teams. I'm hoping that didn't discourage them. Uh, And as things shake out, it's going to be a heck of a race for second place in the AFC East. You're right. Buffalo did embarrass them down in Miami. I think this is a a new Miami team, and I'm going to look for the Dolphins to to go ahead and uh, maybe win it outright, but I'll certainly take them plus three points. Okay. Uh, Minnesota hosting St. Louis. Todd Gurley versus Adrian Peterson. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't get who Nick uh, picked there. I took Miami. You took Miami? Okay. That's our first sweep. There's our first sure bet of the weekend, guys. Mm hmm. <laughs> okay, Rams. Rams and Vikings. The Vikings uh, started out two and a half. It's down to two. We've had some uh, money come in on the Vikings, but uh, pretty much you take the Vikings and uh, you're picking them to win by a field goal or more. Um, I think the the public is kind of leaning towards St. Louis in this game. I just think Minnesota. I said it earlier. Um, actually, the public is little little. On, on Minnesota in this one, just just by just by a couple of percentage points, but I think um, Minnesota is just the more complete team, and I think they will lead in this game, like I said earlier, which is going to take uh, Gurley out of the out of the game plan somewhat, as they'll maybe need to throw, and I and I think uh, Minnesota's got enough corners to uh, to contend that. So I think Minnesota's just a more complete team, and I'll take I'll take them. Did you say three or two and a half? Two. Two. Oh, even better. Minnesota minus the two, no problem. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm with you. I just think the the better quarterback play. Teddy Bridgewater is playing smarter football right now than Nick Foles, so I think the Vikings can definitely win this by a field goal, especially at home. Yeah, I misspoke there, Josh. I said it was went down from from two and a half to two, and I said there was some Viking money on. That means that there was a lot of people betting the Rams. On this game, I just uh, I I love Jeff Fisher because he's so predictable. He uh, gets his teams up for the uh, the big divisional games in the uh, in the NFC West, and then uh, when he wins, he kind of lays an egg. He 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 works them up into a lather for these divisional games, and they don't have much left the the week after. So I'm going to definitely take the Vikings here, and that's our uh, our second sweep. Vikings minus two. Okay. Oh, I'm sure Nick's been waiting all day for this one. Washington at New England. You got a couple touchdowns spread there for us, Chuck? Well, there's actually some good news for uh, for Patriots fans. It was uh, it was 14, and it has gone down to 13 and a half. By the way, the uh, the Patriots are favored. Oh. <laughs> uh, Nick, what do you got for us? <laughs> In New England, Patriots all the way. I know historically there's been some clunky things happen when these two teams play. Steve Spurrier beat Bill Belichick as the Redskins head coach, but uh, I, I can't in good conscience take the Redskins to even come close to hanging with the Patriots the way New England's playing right now. I know it's only a half point, but two touchdowns really made me 
really made me look deep into Kirk Cousins' eyes. But now, now that it's less than two touchdowns, I, I got to go go with Tom Brady since he wins the handsome contest here too. I'll go with I'll go with New England. Yeah. Chuck, you still there? Oh, we lost Chuck for some reason. Um, maybe he just got too excited over another another clean sweep. I'm sure he'll sure he'll call back here in a second. Um, we uh, one more thing: if you're a defender playing against uh, the Skins and you get a sack on Kirk Cousins, are you going to stand up and yell, "You like that"? I don't know if you saw Cousins post uh, game the last game. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe they'll have a T-shirt on underneath. But anyway, um, I'm assuming Chuck will call back. Uh, Nick, what do you think about? Let's just move on to the next game. What do you think about? Uh, this is unofficial line, not from Chuck. But what do you think about uh, Tennessee at New Orleans? Uh, I have New Orleans minus eight. I'm gonna. Go, I don't like it, but I'm gonna go with New Orleans. They, I mean, they put up over 50 points last week. Yeah, that that game kind of reminded me of the uh, Texas Tech Oklahoma State game from the day before, with all the points being scored between New Orleans and New York. But yeah, I think Tennessee. They just. I know they have a new coach, and sometimes teams rally around the new coach and whatnot. But I, I still have to take the Saints in this one. I just think that's too many points. I'm going to take Tennessee. If it's if if it is eight, I'm going to take Tennessee uh, plus the eight points, and I don't really know why, but I, maybe it is the rally factor. But we got Chuck back here. Yeah, Chuck, I never. Uh, sorry about that. Yeah, it just all of a sudden that's cut right. off, and I I don't know what the heck happened. Sorry, guys. That's all right. Um, you got New England. Uh, Are you going to pick New England? Yeah, I'm going to. I was going to say you kind of feel like you're falling into a trap when New England <laughs> drops down to 13 and a half points. You would, uh, you you think, well, I got to take that one, but I'm going to take it anyway. Um, I think the Patriots are on a roll, and and they're they're not gonna they're not gonna show any mercy on anybody. So I'll take the Patriots for our second sweep, and we were on the Saints game. Yeah, that's actually our third sweep. We got Miami plus three. My- Minnesota minus two and New England minus thirteen and a half. Right, um, three sweeps so far. I do want, I do want to say one thing about New England before we move forward. Um, the last touchdown drive of that game, which they obviously didn't need to score, but because they're out to bury every single one of their opponents, that's what they're doing. Tom Brady got sacked, and he kind of went to went down and twisted at the same time. And I just thought, you know, I know Bill Bill Belichick is the man; he's a legend, but what if something happens to Brady in the fourth, one of these fourth quarters when they're trying to make their three touchdown lead a four touchdown lead? Then what? You know, then what's going to happen? Sometimes, you know, reality has to set in at some point, and they're not going to keep beating everybody by two touchdowns. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'll still take New England minus the 13 and a half, but that's just the thought I had there. Yeah, we had um, well, New Orleans, yeah, well, you know, Tennessee. I, go ahead. I was just going to say, what happens if that happens is the point spread will go down and, and Garofalo will only have to cover seven point spreads. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, uh, we're on the, the Saints and Titans, right? Yes. Yeah, I it had, was really tough finding a line. It sounded like you had eight points, and that's that's what I have yep. too here, Josh. Oh, okay. No. So, Well, it's, it's, it's now nine and a half, my friend. Oh, weird. 
Nick, do you want to do you want to change? Oh, nine and a half points instead of eight. It's tough. I think I'm still going to go with the Saints to win by ten. That definitely makes it a lot tougher call, though. Okay. Yeah, I'll still stick with Tennessee. I like it. I like it even more now. So Nick taking the Saints, Josh taking the Titans, and you know what? It, it, I don't want to fall into the trap of of looking at what the Saints did last week and assuming they're going to do it again this week. Uh, the uh, I'm playing my niece in fantasy football this week, and she has Philip Rivers and Drew Brees as quarterbacks, and she's of course playing Brees this week. Um, I, I think there's going to be you know some of an overreaction. Uh, the Titans just lost their coach this week. Don't look for them to do the same thing that uh, that the Dolphins did when they changed coaches, because I think for the most part they all liked Ken Wisenhunt, and they're kind of sad to see him go. I think on the Dolphins' sideline, I think that was what was needed. A lot of guys you know, desired a new leadership in that team. Uh, nonetheless, I think the Titans can keep it within nine and a half, just for the fact that uh, I think everybody else is going to overreact, and maybe the line over overreacts a little bit too. So, I'm going to take the Titans just on a hunch. Okay. Um, the Jets hosting Jacksonville. Yeah, this is another one that was hard to find a line on, just uh, simply because I don't think we know who the quarterback for the Jets is going to be. But the last, uh, the only, um, the only thing I can find is a six and a half point spread. Uh, six and a half points on the the Jets are favored by six and a half. Hmm. Huh. Well, I feel like we could see a little bit of a an overreaction from. Jacksonville because they seem to be getting things going there offensively, but I I don't I wouldn't want to play the Jets after two straight losses, um, especially the, the beatdown they took last week. I think they're going to be severely mo- motivated defensively, and and it's not going to matter who the starting quarterback is. So I'll, I'll take I'll take the Jets minus the six. Excuse me, yeah, minus the six and a half. Nick, what do you think? It's tempting, and if it was, say, a three-point spread, I'd probably be on the Jets bandwagon, but I six and a half, that's just too many points. I don't think the Jets are that good offensively right now to be favored by almost a touchdown. So I think I'm going to take the Jaguars there. It's not going to be Allen Robinson producing, but I think somebody will for that passing attack in Blake Bortles. Yeah, the the over-under on this game is 41, and I think if the over-under were 10, I'd still be tempted to take the under here. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a bad finger. Uh, Geno Smith has a bad shoulder. Who's who's going to be quarterbacking the Jets if they, if they could may, maybe uh, make a hybrid of, of of Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick and put them on the field? Maybe that would work. But I don't see where the Jets are going to Scott. I don't see how the Jets are going to score, and I don't see how the Jaguars are going to score against the Jets' defense. I mean, let's face it, the, the, the defense is the is the strong point of the Jets. And after getting embarrassed at Oakland last week, the Jets are going to want to make a statement. So, you know, it's really hard to pick a six-and-a-half-point favorite on uh, if the team doesn't score very much. So uh, just for that reason, I'm going to go with Nick and take the uh, the Jaguars on this one. Okay. Uh, probably the game of the week. I guess, yeah, it's not going to get, well, maybe maybe close. No, nah, it's not going to get any better than this. Green Bay at Carolina. What do you got for us? 
Oh, I thought you were going to say Raiders Steelers. We'll get to that one next. I did. I did excellent. <laughs> what do you got for? When when you said game of the week, that's the one I thought of. No, uh, Packers are favored by two and a half in uh, in Carolina. Let me check and make sure that's the latest line I have. Green Bay, yeah, two and a half. You know, if I I think if if Carolina was a point dog in this or this is a pick'em, I would go Green Bay. But two and a half points, undefeated team at home, really. Uh, it's going to piss Cam Newton off and com- Cam and company off. And I think this is going to be a tight game, but I can see them winning, winning by a field goal, much like they did on Monday night. Uh, so I'll, I'll take uh, I'll take the Panthers. What do you think there, Nick? Uh, I, it's just too hard for me right now to picture Green Bay losing two straight games. So I think Green Bay can go into Carolina. And the, the, the Panthers, they're 6-0 and but, or 7-0. and I just don't think they're really that they're good, but they're not that good. I think they're due to lose a game, and so I think Green Bay has become the Panthers' first loss. For those uh, fantasy players out there who have been uh, kind of frustrated with uh, with the Packers playing some really, really good defenses lately, they play the Panthers now, but the Packers are going to have the Lions, Vikings, Bears, Lions, Cowboys in the next five weeks. So um, things will get better. Uh, the poor Packers, they had to play at Denver against that defense, and now they got to play at Carolina against that defense. Favored by two and a half, though, I'm going to take the Packers off of their, uh, off of their loss and looking to, uh, looking to regroup and get back. So I've I got to take the Pack in this game, although lots of respect for the Panthers. Okay. Uh, Pittsburgh hosting the Oakland Raiders. What do you got for us, Jeff? Uh, Steelers were five. They're down to four and a half. Okay, I'm I'm going to take Oakland because I thought you were going to say four, and I was going to take Oakland anyway. So uh, I don't think. <laughs> excuse me. I don't think they win this game. I do not think the Raiders win this game, but I I feel like it's going to be one of those shootout games. You know, forty-one thirty-eight type of thing. So I. I I think Pittsburgh ultimately wins because they're the home team, but uh, I'll I'll take the Raiders plus the plus the four point four and a half points. Excuse me, Nick. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers. I think uh, Roethlisberger last week was kind of a warm up game for him. Now I think he'll be one week even more healthy and able to hit on a few more big plays and be able to cover the the spread there and win by probably a touchdown or so. The Raiders have been a an enigma. They lose to the Bengals the first game of the season at home, and they look like you know the like it's going to be another long year for them. Then they then they have a win against the Ravens, which doesn't look that good. <clears throat> then they had a win against the Browns. Then they lost to the Bears and lost to the Broncos, although a good game. I I, I don't know which Raiders team is going to show up. Uh, I do think it's a pretty even matchup without Le'Veon Bell. It's going to help the. Uh, it's going to help the Raiders. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to take the underdog here. I'll take the Raiders plus four and a half, and maybe the Steelers uh, pull it out. But uh, I, I like getting the points. Okay. This line continues to go up and up. Atlanta at San Francisco. What do you got for us, Chuck? 
Falcons are, you know, it was four and a half when I picked up the sheet at my local casino. Uh, it was seven the last I saw. And Josh, let me put one more, put some eyes on it one more time and see what the deal is here. Yeah, it's still at seven, Atlanta. Yeah, I'm looking looking right now. Looks like it started at three and a half, then five, now seven. It's the uh, Blaine Gabbert factor. Um, and I I really don't have any reason <laughs> besides it's the, maybe the Falcons outside on the road. But I'm going to take San Francisco plus the points in this one just because uh, home team dog over a field goal. Let's say let's say uh, Atlanta wins this 26-20. Nick, what do you think? Uh, well, after you vocalized your thoughts earlier on Wayne uh, Gabbard starting there in San Francisco, I'm a little surprised you picked them, but I definitely am going with the 49ers. Falcons just haven't looked that good this year, and uh, Chuck's wounded dog theory when the backup quarterback comes into play, they, teams tend to win the first game. Uh, and I think that could, well, maybe not win, but at least keep the game close for San Francisco. So I'll take the Niners. Nick, you brought up a good point. The Falcons uh, have lost two out of their last three games, and they didn't look that good at Tennessee in winning that game. They could they could easily have uh, be on a three-game losing streak right now. I don't know what happened to the Falcons, <clears throat> where in the world that great team went that started the season. Remember, they were undefeated to start the season, and everybody you know thought they were going to you know just walk away with the NFC South, or uh, or anyway challenge Carolina anyway. Um, and now, now we've got a team that's not that good playing on natural turf uh, a couple thousand miles away from home. And they're giving away seven points. I'm going to take the 49ers. Clean sweep. Did not see that coming. Um, and I won't be surprised if uh, Atlanta wins this thing by 30 points. I just feel like I feel like that's what the – Smart money should lie on is that you got to you got to look at that home team dog and the fact that you're getting the getting the plus well, touchdown there. That's yeah. You also have to look at all the uh, all the upheaval that's happened the past week uh, in San Francisco. Just uh, I mean, are these positive changes? Uh, getting rid of uh, their tight end to the uh, to the Broncos and uh, and changing quarterbacks. You know, you, you don't know how the team's going to feel about this. Are these positive changes or negative changes? But uh, I, I just can't give up seven points on the road with the with the Falcons, who right now aren't aren't, aren't a good team. Yes, maybe lateral changes. Um, to use another football term, there. Uh, <laughs> a term upon a term. Um, New England. New England, where did that? To the Giants at Tampa Bay. What do you got for us, Chuck? Giants are favored on the road by two and a half points. I'm going to take Tampa Bay in this game, just because I think they're they're churning the corner some way, some ways, and I think that's that's uh, that's just going to be the case. I. I I, I will not be surprised if they win this game. I won't be surprised if they win this game by a touchdown points. I, I, I'll take it. I I feel like the Giants historically struggle down there, and uh, I just I remember games in the past where that just hasn't been. You know, where you think Eli's going to light up this defense, and he doesn't. So uh, I'll take I'll take Tampa plus the points at home. Nick, what do you think? 
Uh, it's tempting to go with the home dog here with Tampa Bay, but I'm still going to go with the Giants. I think losing to the Saints the way they did, Eli throwing six touchdowns and no interceptions, I think that left a bad taste in their mouth. I think they're going to come out this Sunday with something to prove and really kind of take it to uh, Tampa Bay. So I'll go with the Giants. The uh, Buccaneers have not been playing bad football the last three weeks. They beat the Jaguars. Uh, lost to the Redskins with that you know gigantic comeback, and then uh, and then beat the Falcons on the Falcons' home field last week. Uh, I think Jameis Winston is coming into his own, and I think I think Lovey Smith has something going down there. They're they're starting to come together. I, I, I I'm going to take the hot team at home getting points here, and that's the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay, um, Denver at. Indianapolis, the afternoon spotlight game. Oh, what do you think, Chuck? Well, the Broncos were three and a half. They're now favored by five points. I just I don't, don't know what that means. Indi- <laughs> uh, I don't trust I don't trust Indy at all, and if this defense can hold a. Aaron Rodgers to 77 yards on the road. They certainly can hold Andrew Luck to under 200 in his own home, right, especially with no offensive line. I think, jeez, oh, if, if Andrew Luck is not fully healthy and he starts this game for the Colts, the entire coaching staff should be fired because that, I mean, that's like sending a wounded lamb out to the slaughter. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, a den of wolves, whatever you want to say. That's uh, yeah, it's gonna be brutal. Denver's Denver's gonna have 200 yards of offense and win this thing by two touchdowns. Nick, what do you think? Well, it's a big battle between two first place teams. You have to call the three and four or first place in the AFC South, but yeah, you have to go with Denver. The, the Colts, even at a five point dog, it's just too. Henry Lux, I think, been uh, the worst quarterback by a lot of measures in the NFL this year. So you have to go with the Broncos in that defense to win. I'm going to take the Colts. Um, the Broncos looked good for one. I mean, they're undefeated, of course. <laughs> they looked good last week, but are they going to revert back to the to the Bronco team of old and? Uh, Think about the Colts, what they did last week. They uh, went in bad weather and, and played toe-to-toe with one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, i I got to think that they're going to salvage something in the season with uh, with a good showing here. And uh, the Broncos will probably win by three or something, and we'll get, to, we'll get to hear Andrew Luck talking about how he's got to get better once again. But I still am going to take the Colts at home. Um, I, I, I don't. The Colts kind of took a different tack things they, they, than the other teams did. They, they fired their offensive coordinator, who was uh, wasn't he uh, wasn't he uh, Andrew Luck's coach in Stanford? You guys? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, maybe uh, fresh eyes on the offense is, is going to do it. I, I'll take the Colts. I don't feel good about it, but I, you know, I would rather take a home team dog here. So I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, Indianapolis. Right. Oh, well, of course, another AFC East battle. 
NFC East battle, and of course it's the Sunday night game. Um, Philly at Dallas. What do you got for us, Chuck? Well, you've just got to ask yourself if the Eagles can win by a field goal because they are favored by two and a half points here. Yeah, coming off a bye, I I think they're gonna they're gonna seize the opportunity to beat their division rival. I, I got I got no problem giving up two and a half points. I think this defense has looked very scary and almost as scary as the as bad almost as scary bad as the uh excuse me the Cowboys offense has looked so that's a uh that's a bad mix and this defense just had a week to rest and probably watched that awful Seattle Dallas game last week so they're going to be ready and it's I think it's going to be uh I think Philly's going to win this by probably a couple scores so I got no problem getting two and a half points Nick what do you think yeah, I agree. Uh, how many games has Dallas won since Tony Romo's been hurt? Zero. Is Tony Romo going to be back this week? I, I don't think so, so I have to go with the Eagles, definitely, especially at only two and a half points. They'll easily win this by more than a field goal. Well, I have the uh, I have the key for the Cowboys to win this game, since uh, neither of their quarterbacks are the type to rally them for a for winning score on the <laughs> On the last possession of the game, uh, they just need to be up by two or three scores and and not have to uh, and let their defense win the game at the end of the game. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Cowboys. Uh, desperation. They're a desperate team. They got to win one at least before Romo gets back. Is Romo going to be back next week? Next game? Uh, they have yeah. They have a bye next week and. Of course, Jerry okay. Jones believes he'll be back. <laughs> they're going to win that. They're going to win that we last. We don't care what Jerry says. <laughs> they're going to uh, they're going to win that last game before Romo comes back, and then you know there will be a quarterback controversy as to whether they should have left. Now, is Castle or uh, or the other guys Castle starting again this week? Uh, it's Castle, yes. I'll take the the Cowboys nonetheless. <laughs> I, right. I, I'm laughing because these are two teams that just are, you know, I, you know, it's going to be a war of attrition in the NFC East, and and I'll take the Cowboys at home. Uh, yeah, that's that's certainly the case. I, you know, one could argue Kirk Cousins has been better than Sam Bradford. To consider Kirk Cousins being the second best quarterback in that division. An odd thing right now, statistically. Uh-huh. So, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Chicago at San Diego. How could the Monday night game be the who cares game of the week? But here we are. Couldn't get any better than this. I like this game a lot. Uh, I'm gonna. By the way, fantasy question. I don't know if you guys covered this or not. Who's going to be the better guy with uh, Keenan Allen out? Is it going to be, be Malcolm Floyd or Stevie Johnson? That's hard because you you go look at um, this is actually going to be part of our question and answer on Saturday, so stay tuned for that. Okay. But you look at uh, Stevie Johnson, who can't stay healthy. He's been a, you know multiple times been questionable, most notably with a shoulder last week. And then you have on the flip side, you have Malcolm Floyd, who's like you know forty four years old. So I will uh, I would I would probably go with Floyd. I think Don Trell Inman will get a get a nice little bump and some more snaps there. But I would I would go with Floyd just because he knows the offense better than anybody else on the roster. 
Okay. What do you think? I picked up Stevie Johnson. I picked up – oh, Nick? Sorry. Uh, you know what? I don't trust the health of either of them. I think if they were both able to stay healthy, I would uh, go with Stevie Johnson. But I agree with you. Inman is definitely worth a, worth a look in uh, deeper leagues. He could end up being the best of the three, actually, just if he can stay healthier than the other two. I picked up Stevie Johnson today just simply because uh, Floyd is more the deep target and Keenan Allen was the one for the intermediate targets, and I think Stevie Johnson will fit more into that role that Keenan Allen served uh, uh, with the team. So I picked up Stevie Johnson, but either of them, neither of them would be a bad pickup. All right, Chargers are favored by four over the Bears. Do the Chargers deserve to be favored? Um, this is your team, Chuck, so I'll let you go first. I just wanted to say that. Arg! I didn't make a pick on this game yet because if, if you guys are, would agree, I was going to sweep it no, either way. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right. Well, we, who knows we about this game? I'm, you know what? I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the Bears just because uh, I'm I'm liking the the energy that uh, that they have. I think they're the hotter team. And I think they'll stay within a field goal of the Chargers. So I'm taking the Bears. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Bears, too, just because I think the Chargers don't deserve to be favored by more than a field goal against anybody. And I know it's, that's just a one-point difference, but I will also take the Bears. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, make it a clean sweep. I just can't in good conscience take a two-win San Diego team, even though they're at home, but they're without their best receiver, and Antonio Gates has been dinged up. I don't know how uh, how effective he's going to be able to be. I, uh, I I can't take San Diego in this one. So, yeah, clean sweep for Chicago. Okay. Yeah, both Ladarius Green and Gates are, are, are dealing with leg issues right now. So, uh we have a Chicago clean sweep, so that means we got uh, Miami plus three, Minnesota minus two, New England minus 13.5, San Francisco plus seven, and Chicago plus four. Is that right, Chuck? You got them all. You know what? The only thing I didn't pick, I forgot to write down what Nick picked on the Packers and Panthers. Uh, I had a Green Bay in that game. Okay. Okay. I got everything. All right, cool. Well, we want to. That's all we have for you here on the Dynasty Pulse. Again, big thanks to Burgundy for stopping by and helping us with the dilemma. Um, next week, Mike Graphics going to get stop by as we get you uh, ready for some 2016 prospects as we kind of identify some of the uh, some of the top guys. So make sure you tune in to that. And of course, Mr. Chuck Podeski will be stopping by to spread some ATS knowledge as well. So, Chuck, as always, thank you very much. It's been fun. Thanks. Nick, any uh any closing thoughts there? Uh well, just real quick, you said Kirk Cousins might be the second best quarterback in the NFC East. I have to vehemently disagree with you on that one. I don't even know second best quarterback on the on the Washington football team, but uh we're each entitled to our opinion. We'll see you next week, Josh. All right. Take care, folks.